Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. What a weekend. I think my cheeks hurt from smiling. I'm completely sleep deprived. After my game, I think I went to take a nap at 7am because there was just so much adrenaline following our game. There is so much to digest news and game-wise. I hope you enjoyed the really fun interview with Em over the weekend about footy life and super coach. So super coach mama, if you haven't listened, she's been ranked number one in the super coach competition for quite a few rounds now. And she was kind of dominating the comp, at least in my eyes, because she was in that highly coveted and really difficult position to not only achieve, but maintain. And we've all been kind of following her journey if you play super coach. So I'm so incredibly happy and proud to say that she won super coach 2021. So I am applauding your efforts Em. well played. And I just look forward to future chats with you like on the pod. We'll definitely have her back, but just some massive applause <laughs> there. And congrats to everyone who placed quite a few members of the Dr. Supercoach community did in the top 10 and 20. But congrats to everyone who kind of got a year high that they've never achieved or a rank even in the top 100, 1000. I still think it's a big deal. And speaking of firsts, we are on to the final series. And Tasmania is getting two finals games for the first time ever. They've never had a finals game, and now they're getting two in a weekend. Potentially a game next weekend, too. So they've proved they love the footy over there. Tasmanians have turned up for our recent game. They've been selling out crowds. And you can't deny the fact that there are a ton of AFL greats and players from Tassie. I mean, Nick and Jack Rewall, who else? Toby Nankervis, Tommy Bell, who I love, uh, Lockie Weller, I'm trying to think of others, Jeremy Howe, Grant Burchill, I want to say Mitch Robinson too, Ben Brown, Brody Mychek, you know, just to name a few. <laughs> but it also brings up the timely discussion again about whether or not there should be a team there. And the AFL has announced that they will make a determination about a team in Tasmania next year during the 2022 season which is really interesting. They opened up a review this season, but they will be kind of making that determination about whether or not they will join the AFL in 2023 to 2024 that season. And so the jury's still out on that. But the latter is established. And along with the A also came the end of an era. Clarko's farewell game, some notable retirements as well, which we've kind of been talking about. There's a whole list. I know that I'll just have to get to that in a future epi where I can read every single player from every single club. But yeah, we have a very exciting weekend coming up. Every single game will absolutely be a blockbuster. I won't be getting any sleep this weekend either. Just the four games, but I'm really, really excited about all of them. Obviously a little bit more excited about one of them, but I really want to see every single one of them. And again, they're overnight, so we'll see what happens <laughs> if I end up like crashing during any of the games. But I really look forward to all of them. And I know that you're probably just as excited as me if your team is in it. And even if they're not. But let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in NYC and Australia. So we had a fairly quiet weekend after my brother left. We did go to Governor's Island just before, which I had never been to. I know it's really accessible and it's right there. 
And of course, we did. Once we did, I wonder, you know, why I don't go more? <laughs> and I definitely plan to. So it was a little highlight to the end of his trip. And it genuinely reminded me of being on Rado, just biking all over the island, chasing quokkas and sunsets. I'll have to post pics I know on Insta and Facebook. I'm just a little behind on stories, so I'll get to it. But we were on Rottnest Island in t- early 2020, just last year. And I just can't help but think how the world has changed since then, because it was this really idyllic, almost like a happily ever after place when we were there. And it's impossible not to smile the entire time that you are there. So everything kind of just changed as soon as we came back. And I've told you guys the story, but I feel like as soon as we touched down back in New York City, everything kind of turned upside down. But we had a little catch up with work and there was also a hurricane notice early Sunday morning, which we'll get to a little bit later. But as for just New York City in general, there's a new attraction in Times Square, a 110 foot Ferris wheel, which debuted today. I think the conversion is like 33 and a half meters. So they're offering tourists and NYC peeps just a new view of the city. I know everyone like at least I do. I just, I just love a high view and kind of a pano. And I thought it was going to be a permanent thing, but it's only set to be there for a limited time. It's meant to be a pop-up experience. So they're only in operation until September 12th. And we have a new governor. We're, I feel like we're constantly breaking first or just labeling them that on this show. But new ground. Um, there's a first female governor in the role and New York, New York's highest office, excuse me, she was our former lieutenant governor, so Kathy Hochul, who will hopefully usher in, I think for all of us, just this new era of trust in our government, civility, consensus, and state government. She was sworn in yesterday and she's already announced a mask and vax mandate for schools. And oh, I know I mentioned... In the last episode, booster shots last week uh, being available starting next month. But I actually meant that they're available for anyone around eight months after your second shot. I think they're kind of seeing some waning immunity. But the FDA has fully approved of the Pfizer vaccine. And there was a huge homecoming concert over the weekend only for the vaccinated in Central Park. I told you guys a little bit about how we had some crazy weather over the weekend, but it was disbanded due to lightning in Central Park. So that was kind of not reflective of how the year has been, but just when you want to have a little bit of fun, you think everything's going back to normal, you know, something else happens. We ended up getting a ton of rain. I think Central Park specifically got around two months of rain overnight. So that was kind of crazy. As for Australia, Melbourne had 41 new cases of COVID yesterday, and New South Wales had 921 new cases. I know we're constantly talking about the numbers, but that is in such stark contrast to the zero or one new case I see daily in WA. But I mean, how have you all been doing? How are you going in lockdown? If you are in lockdown, what are your plans for the weekend? 
Are you planning to watch any of the games? I'm just curious about what your life is like now, maybe what your plans are if your footy season's over, and maybe kind of what you want to hear during the footy off season too, because I'll be here. If you have any suggestions, I'm always open to them. AFLFootyObsessed at Gmail, and AFLObsessed on Twitter, Insta, and Facebook too. But now let's get to footy and on to Act 1 with... AFL headlines and highlights for the final round of Home and Away round 23. There were so many great and epic endings to games this weekend. So for the Bulldogs versus Power game, this was a pretty thrilling game again. And Port was trailing. So you think the doggies are going to come home with this. They're going to end up in the top four. And towards the end, they just needed a goal because there was about a three-point difference. And Bailey Smith got the ball, who you just really trust. He was a little kind of, he was a little far out, I would say, um, beyond the 50. He tried to slot one. It was just short, I think. And Robbie Gray just punched it over the line for a point. So Port won by two. And now Bulldogs are in the top eight, but they don't get that double chance. In the Lions versus the Eagles game, though, there were such exciting moments throughout this game, mostly the ending, really. So because of the game that I just mentioned, the Lions needed a point to get over the Bulldogs in percentage. And in the dying moments of the game, in the dying seconds, really, there was half a minute left, 30 seconds, and they just had to get a point. So all you have to kick is a behind you just have to figure this out and you could see everyone. I felt like everyone is collectively holding their breath in the audience. I was at home and McCarthy in the last 20 seconds got the ball. There was a bit of like a scrappiness around it. He kicked a behind. The celebration that happened, I feel like I'm just going to have to play some of it right here. Still time, still time, 30 seconds on the clock. Brace yourself, everybody, there's 30 seconds left. Can they get a point from somewhere, from anywhere? The defender, Stasevich, McCarthy! Oh, it's a behind! How's it got there? It's a behind! <laughs> Make it a double! The Bristol Lions are going to get there by the barest of margins. Oh my gosh, so I feel like I'm just reliving all of that. But Chris Fagan and his arm swirl, I know you can't see it just kind of hearing audio, but he did this move where he just swirled his arm around and kind of reminded me of like a vertical version of that Kevin Sheedy spin. And then he just kind of threw his headphones. So it was this amazing last ending to this game. And Jared Berry in the fourth man, what a clutch player. I will say it was really interesting. I noticed and I kind of pointed it out to Andrew. One of the West Coast players was wearing the wrong Guernsey for the match. So um, I think it was Harry Edwards. And I remembered him kind of lining up alongside his teammates. And I was telling Andrew, I'm like, okay, which one of these isn't the same? Which one of these looks out of place? So I think he's already spoken to the AFL about that. But that was kind of interesting that he had the wrong actual Guernsey on. In the Tigers versus Hawks game, 
I stayed up to watch this because I really wanted to see Clarko's farewell game. I wanted to hear his interviews. I wanted the same for Silk. I wanted to hear what Hooley had to say. David A. for Richmond, also notable player, was also retiring. And before the game, I just have to say, Clarko, with his loyalty to his players, and, you know, he's privately and publicly also back them, just, he looked so young. <laughs> he looked like he had gone down in age by 10 years, just knowing that it was over <laughs> and that his time was done. It's been a pretty dramatic ending just for his coaching, you know, end. And I know we've kind of talked about it at great length, but it was really great to see him just kind of smile again and to talk about how he was kind of sad he did have to play against Dima for his last game because Dima helped them quite a bit when he first got his start out and had his dynasty of wins. But I really did love that interview. And you could just really see Clarko and Silk. I really just wanted them to go out on a high note. So it was an emotional last interview for me, not necessarily for him. <laughs> but they had one last, you know, walkout and like a hug and the banner embrace. It was really wonderful. And this game, I cannot even tell you what a battle this was because... Hawthorne just really wanted to get there for Clarko, and they almost did. I mean, I really felt like Hawthorne was going to take this game away. Obviously, they were probably both not going to make the eight in terms of Richmond. I think they may have been far behind on percentage. There was a chance. So Hawthorne was so far ahead that I really thought they were also going to get over the line. And then in the end, when they were up by one goal, I know you all saw this, one of the most dramatic endings that I've seen in a while. Richmond went to kick for a goal, so they could have tied up the game. This is, an, again, the final, final remainder, remaining seconds, however long. And they kicked for goal, and you just see Silk diving like his life depended on it for the goal line. It was like he was an army vet jumping on a grenade or something. Captain America, when he kind of was in training and does the same thing, but he jumped on the ball and managed to touch it, and it was just behind the line. So the game that was so incredibly dramatic and epic of a battle ended in a draw. And I know I've discussed this before. I kind of feel this hollowness and this emptiness. And it's like they fought all the way for this. And this is kind of what happens at the end. And then shortly thereafter, I mean, I really, maybe five seconds after, I just tweeted that I really felt like that was kind of fitting because it meant that there were no losers in the end for everyone that was leaving. And it was really funny because that was all the commentators <laughs> talked about when they got through their theme song singing and it kind of went back to them. So major applause again to the four that kind of walked out on that game. You do still you do still go out on a high note at least from what I'm seeing and from my vantage point. In the Swans versus Suns game, I just have to say the first play of the game was really magical and Buddy just launched the ball from 55 and hit a goal and I think at this point he's eight away from hitting a thousand. And you could just tell that the team was willing the ball to him so he can get the stat. And I know they're in the final series now, too. And it'll be interesting to see if they kind of decide to tighten up that little end or if they kind of continue to help him get there because they also want to win so they can continue their finals run. But you just knew it was a good sign for Sydney at that point. 
And in the Bombers versus Pies game, last but absolutely not least, we had this amazing feeling heading into the game. Again, thank you, St. Kilda, that we made the finals thanks to the Saints. So I think I mentioned earlier there was a hurricane approaching New York City, and it was supposed to hit around the time of the game. So I just remember thinking like I'm about to be I'm about to be so mad if my feed gets cut off and if we lose power and I can't see the result of this game because I'm just trying to watch what happens there were such stakes I mean there was a possibility Collingwood could have won and if they won by a huge enough margin we could have been out also but I just wanted to see it in real time and kind of celebrate with all my Essendon peeps. And of course, Andrew's reminding me like, it, it's a hurricane, <laughs> you know, that is serious. But what a great game. So many highlights. I won't even go through them if you've seen them. I know it was the second to last game to go down. And this was also the game too, where Em would find out if she won. And I remembered kind of messaging her and being like, how's your team doing? Moment of truth. And she added Stringer, who was kind of the person that got her over the line. That was her final trade. So that was really, really exciting. But yeah, the good news is that we are playing the finals. Um, I know that I would just really love to get past week one of the finals. I know there will be so many memes and gifts and so many tweets if we don't. But the good news is, you know, well, I guess the bad news really is that we've only beat one of the top eight teams this season. But the good news is it's the Bulldogs and we're playing them this weekend. <laughs> so just during the game, Frode, you know, you're a good friend to me. I adore Susan Alberti too, whose husband is a bomber. But just during the game, <laughs> I think we're going to just not be friends. And then afterwards, we can kind of figure out the result but dogs haven't won a final since they won the grand final that was not that long ago might i add and the bombers haven't since 2004 so fingers crossed everything crossed including my eyes as we head into the weekend in terms of headlines just a quick few the all australian team was announced they haven't been selected yet but we will find out at the awards tomorrow and it's exciting you know you get a blazer kind of like the masters and typically a pay bump for the players I think that might be written into their contracts but it's something that I look forward to and we have three nominations this season or well three that have been named so hopefully someone makes it even on the bench really but Merritt Parrish and Stringer so that's really exciting and two Harry Mackay has been named the Coleman medalist so congratulations he was definitely a shoe in for that to boot Number three, this interesting stat was Joe Danaher. He is the first player in four years to kick a goal in every game of the season. So I think that's pretty difficult considering a row of injuries. You have to be in good form over such a long term. So that's really exciting. And yeah, that was really great. And the last player to do so four years ago was Joe Danaher. <laughs> so he beat his own stat. And that was when he was playing for Essendon. Chara actually asked for a trade, so that's like another headline that has kind of come through the media mix, so it'll be interesting. I think he's pretty much going to Carlton. I don't know if anyone else is fighting for him. He wants to come home to Victoria. And the Hall of Fame inductees were announced, so I think we have to kind of get into that more in the next epi, but that's something that's really exciting. The most updated news, though, was that 
BT is in a hospital after a gas explosion at his home. I think he was working on a hot water service at his home. He's sustained minor injuries um, and he is an observation. I think he's going to make it out okay. But again, I just always kind of have to side eye when they're like minor injuries or not life threatening. You know, you just never know. That could also mean someone taking out an eye, you know, sorry for that trigger warning, but I just hope that BT is okay and that he'll, you know, kind of ride into this weekend because I think he's planning to be a commentator and we're planning to have him. But tell me what you guys think. I mean, how do you feel about your team season? If it's over or not, which game are you most excited for in the final series? You know, and what did you think of the round overall and just kind of how this year went now that we're pretty much at the end of it? Okay, it's intermission, so it's just time to talk about other sports really quickly. There wasn't a whole lot of news, but college football is starting soon. I think it kicks off in a few days. I want to say August 28th, so I'm really excited about that. And then just really in soccer was the only thing that I really saw. I don't know if you guys saw this. There was a game between Nice and Marseille where fans stormed the field, and it was a bit of a melee. I don't know if you happened to catch this, but... It was something that I saw just kind of randomly channel surfing. So Marseille's player, I want to say Dimitri Payet, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Payet, he went to take a corner kick and he was struck by a bottle that was thrown from the stands, which was really dramatic. And then he and his teammate just kind of retaliated by throwing bottles back into the crowd. So you could kind of feel like, oh no, this is a bit volcanic. I think something might happen. And then someone also kicked a ball into the crowd because they were pretty upset. And then a number of Nice fans kind of came towards the pitch and then onto the pitch in a really chaotic scene. And then just everyone kind of swarmed the field, which is a really scary event. The game had to be postponed. And you could just see the players kind of run to the locker rooms and head like away from the scuffle. So it's just one of those things that I think maybe, I don't know if this happens to you, but gives me just a slight bit of anxiety when I see that happening because of COVID. I'm still kind of slightly nervous when I see a lot of people all huddled together, but just that moment too, where you know that tempers are flaring and maybe kind of high, but yeah, just a little bit of dramatic moments. For my little more of this, I know it's like just a tiny thing, but the NAB, (laughs) can't talk today, NAB Mini Legends commercial, they're back. I love these commercials for anyone who hasn't seen them or maybe it hasn't come on their radar. They just find little kids that look like ASL players and kind of put them in positions and they kind of dress them up like the player and it's just a really cute commercial And this year's commercial was about Geelong and it was danger, kind of dreaming. And it was really funny the way he kind of goes about, he's sitting on the bench and he's like, every year I think, surely this is the year that you will be named a NAB mini legend. And it's really exciting. They're revealing all the players they've picked in AFL and AFLW. And then they get to the Geelong player and he kind of walks out from the silhouette and it's Zach Tui. <laughs> and I just love Danger's reaction where he's just like, Zach Tui, how many brownless has he won? And kind of like tosses away the chair. And so I love that. I want to see more of it. I hope they never stop making it. They've had some really great little kids before. 
And I just hope that they continue to do that season after season. But now we're on to act two where we have discussions about relevant footy topics and issues. And I know the Paralympics are going on. So the Olympics for me are still kind of really fresh in my mind. But Kyle Chalmers is an Australian swimmer and he calls himself a footballer who happens to be a swimmer. So he, his father played a bunch of games for Port and I think potentially another club, but he has always expressed interest in joining the AFL after his swimming, you know, seasons are over and after he retires from swimming. So he did participate in the Olympics this season. He had a really great run, but he was saying, I think back in 2016 that he was planning to pursue an AFL career after Tokyo. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I think the latest news that just came out a few days ago was that he's made the rounds. I think two AFL clubs have expressed interest in him. So he has done the interviews. He's done kind of the Zoom calls. He's really done all of that due diligence. And I just wonder if he's going to be named or selected. So that'll be a really interesting, I don't know if he goes in a special draft. I don't know at what point he would join, but I'm really curious to see if an announcement of any kind will be made in the next you know, few weeks or at least towards the end of the final series. And I know we've talked about Carlton Woes for quite some time now. We've talked about Hawthorne woes. We've talked about Essendon woes. I think that I find myself time and again mentioning what Carlton is going through and also what Teague has been going through. So I know we don't have to recap it, but the new incoming president did spark this external review on Carlton mid-season, which as I've stated before, I think that's destabilizing. I think it undermines what a coach is trying to build. And I think it can be really difficult. And it's not the first time the end of a coach's run has been done in a certain way where you can't help but think it's incredibly messy. I think the Hawthorne handoff was quite bumpy. I think it could have been done with a little bit more dignity for Clarko. And I'm not using our team as an example, but I think the wish to like wish a to truck transition probably went as smoothly as it could have gone. There wasn't really contention. You could argue different sides about who was really present when and what the team kind of was in terms of state of the condition we were in towards the end of the season. But I really do feel fatigue. And I just wanted to express that because the club has really just been so public about what's been happening with the review. And I think that all scrutiny has just been on Teague. But then there was all this news about how they were basically shopping for a coach when he's in the role he's contracted through next season. And it must be really difficult to know. I mean, I can't even imagine the horror I would come across if I am in a role, let's say like professionally, and then I'm kind of combing through ads or something and I see maybe it pops up on LinkedIn or whatever that your position is up for grabs. I mean, that's horrifying, you know, and they're openly talking about, well, this is the perfect time for Clarko to make a slide over to Carlton because he's going to be available. Clarko came out and said that he's interested in 12 months away from the game. He wants to travel the world with his wife. Hopefully he'll be able to do that. 
I think he definitely deserves a break since he's been kind of in the role for so long. And I think that that's a really interesting kind of path that he's on. But as for Teague, really, they made a point on bounce that you've got to take care of your people. If you are from the top down talking about a coach and kind of their ascendancy or where you plan to kind of become in terms of what you're trying to build as a club, you really have to take care of them. And it really seemed to me like they were stringing him along. I think he had exit interviews with all the players, which is, I mean, dot, dot, dot. I don't even know what he's discussing in those meetings, how awkward that must be if he's, is he really trying to build a plan for them? If, I mean, he's just doing everything he can up until the end. I feel like he's determined to kind of stay on. He is contracted. He is in the role. And he has also come out too and said that he was really disappointed that, you know, no one came out to speak on his behalf. I have to say that last press conference that he gave was the most coachy I've ever seen him be. I've never seen him act like that. I don't know if it was a growth and development thing where he's just gone through so much. It wasn't a cynical declaration, but the way he said it was just, you know, this is what's happening. This is what's going down. This is where I'm coming from. And that was really, I kind of applauded him for his words. I felt that that was really, really a coach's stance. I think what we've all been looking for him to kind of bust out of and say, but yeah, my least favorite thing and a huge, I wouldn't say pet peeve of mine, but just something that really bothers me is when someone else is holding someone or using them as a placeholder. That really bothers me. And that goes for in a professional or a personal sense. So if you're dating someone, it's it's not okay to do that, you know, and it's also not okay in this particular sense where you just have someone currently temporarily in quotations, assuming a role in order to wait for someone better to come along. So I did feel like they were waiting to close on Clarko. He just came out through his management and said that he is not interested in the role. So hopefully Carlton can get everything together. I know they don't like to make big announcements right before grand finals. So hopefully they can figure out what's going to go down. I think at this point, if you wanted to let T go, you should have made that announcement before and just, you know, nipped everything in the bud and moved on. So I know that they've had some messy breakups um, all throughout the league. It's happened. I remembered, I want to say, was it Ross Lyon where they just kind of cut him and then he wasn't even allowed to farewell his players. It may have been Ratten. I can't remember exactly, but, and then Ben Bolton kind of having to front the media. So I just really hope that Carlton gets it together And they can kind of figure things out because I've said this before, they have so many freakish players. They're absolutely, absolutely going to be a super team and it's coming. So that might be just around the corner after this um, wild and crazy season. But now it's the after show where I just have to thank all of you for being along for this tumultuous ride we've been on. I don't know if it's a roller coaster you want to continue to (laughs) ride, but we've gotten through another season. It's been amazing. There's just been so much information that has come through and I'm just really excited to continue my adventure with you guys and also the journey. I know the off season will be approaching. I'm still going to be around 
And yeah, I'm just really interested in knowing what you want to hear more of. You guys are always really open with kind of sharing with me what you enjoy. And I really am so excited to continue this journey with you guys and to continue into the off season, but also into 2022. It's kind of weird to say, but it is kind of approaching. We're kind of towards the end of the year. Um, I am looking forward to the end of summer here because of the humidity, (laughs) but that's another thing entirely. So that's it for me, guys. Thank you so much for listening and rating and subscribing. And just let me know what you think. And thanks for hanging around for the show. But stay safe and healthy, everyone. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with the footy season. I'm virtually hugging you, all of you, and we'll talk footy soon.